to LOA Today. I'm Walt Keeson. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. I'm especially happy because we are entering a new era here on LOA Today, because we've just introduced, or we are now just introducing, a new co-host here on the show, and she's somebody that you met about a week ago. And actually, I met her two weeks ago on an episode that didn't record properly. So it wasn't exactly an auspicious beginning, but it's definitely an auspicious next step. So I'd like to welcome Jody Lynn Craven to the microphone as a co-host officially on Elevate Today. Jody, thank you, first of all, for saying yes and welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to spend this time with you and, uh, yeah, be a co-host. This is a great opportunity to just, you know, talk more, which I love to do. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that before, right? You know, talking, yeah. how, how long can we talk and so forth? And I was telling you about the record and that was kind of fun. One thing that we are going to kind of miss today, our friend David Strickle is going to be joining us on the show today. And we we're going to get a little stream of David action going on. But unfortunately, David got hit with a bad cold yesterday. So he's trying to oh, shake that off. Oh, we'll so, send positive vibes to him. Send lots of positive vibes. He's got a big community. So he's got a lot of people sending vibes his way. Which good. Is a really good thing. Yeah. So we'll kind of miss him. But uh, so that means we kind of had to kind of spin it on the fly. Like, okay, so what are we going to talk about today? And earlier today, I did a podcast with someone else who was recently on the show. People will remember Dr. Vic Banzo, who was on. And he invited me on his podcast. We were doing the show, and it was really great. Had a great one. Check out his podcast, by the way. He's going to publish that one, I think, at the end of April, he said. But um, check it when it comes out. But there was one particular segment that I thought, wow, this would be great to talk with Jody about. So I want to bring it up here. Because, Jody, we, we, when you and I did the show uh, last week, we were talking about all the different ways. Of course, this is what you talk about when you're a money expert. You're an expert at attracting money. So all the different ways that we block ourselves and so forth, right? And we were talking mm-hmm. about different strategies that we use to unblock and all that kind of thing. Well, in the course of my conversation with him, I just started riffing and realized I hit on something pretty important. I wanted to get your take on it. Ooh, because... I'm on the edge of my seat, Walt. <laughs> good. Okay. So I'm doing my job. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, Vic asked me uh, some questions about law of attraction, and he's actually very knowledgeable himself, but he was being a good interviewer and asked some really good questions. And one of them he asked was basically along those lines, like, you know, if you're struggling with attracting money, what can you do? And and he mentioned how he liked to uh, coach people to be careful about the wording that they use, which is always a good idea. So don't don't treat it in terms of wanting something because that means you don't have it. You're coming from a position of lack. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And he was talking about those things. And it occurred to me, how many people are there who do money affirmations or they do various kinds of exercises to try to attract money into their lives? And then they go out into the world and they have conversations like this. Can you believe where inflation is today? I mean, it's driving me crazy. I went to fill up the gas tank today and the price was up 50%. I couldn't believe how high it was. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I mean, and those corporate, uh, let, let's be honest, they're thieves. The people running the corporations are thieves. Something's got to be done about these thieves. And then there's all the spending going on, you know, sending all this money to the Ukraine, or if you're in favor of what's going on, you know, supporting the Ukraine because that's a good thing, but hey, that's money out the door. So we have all these people who are doing all these things to attract money, and then they reverse it. Mm-hmm. And I raise my hand saying, I did that for years. I'll tell you, Jody, I actually wrote a book. Back in 2008, at the time of the financial crisis, on what was wrong with the monetary system, and that I didn't understand why I didn't have any money in my life. Yep. You know, <laughs> we we started talking about this after the last episode that we recorded. We we started talking about it a little bit in the episode that that we recorded together, and and then I have thought about it ever since because. I do agree that there is corruption and there's a difference between like sticking your head in the sand, I believe, and just pretending it's not happening and being an observer and noticing it's happening, but not, you know, going on the roller coaster of emotion. And one thing that dropped in with all of this is that that the corruption that has happened, the inflation, the printing of money, all of that stuff. Sure. You can, you can notice it. Okay. It's definitely happening. And all of that stuff is no match for the universe. (laughs) Truly no match 
for the universe and, and, and really diving into that conversation and feeling, cause I think it's really important how we feel as we're talking about it, feeling deflated, defeated, feeling like, you know, oh, now we don't have enough or, you know, we have even less than we thought. All of these are, 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 are stands that are from a victim standpoint, yeah. not an empowering standpoint. Like you are a fractal of God. You are a part of, you know, universal source energy. Okay. That that is bigger than the corporations, bigger than the government, you know, your alignment and seeing how powerful you really are is truly the key. So you can observe what's happening, um, but don't get caught up in it and become the victim to it, I guess, is, is what had come to me. I agree. In fact, I think it's also be aware. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I think we... We get very conscious about certain things. I, I like to call us conscious creators because we're learning how to be more creative and, and more deliberate in what we give our attention to. Yes. And, and that's a great thing. But isn't it interesting that even those of us who are conscious creators, we have attention spans that are about this long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we like, okay, I just spent 10 minutes, which is great meditating and focusing on I'm just going to be true to I'm bringing money into my life or I'm bringing better relationships into my life or I'm improving my health or my career is going to get better, whatever it is we're focusing on. And then we forget. Yeah. We have the other 23 hours and 50 minutes that we're spending on sleeping and talking with other people and watching television programs and reading books and having more conversations. And so many of them, so many of them, we're focusing on stuff that we really don't like. That's I mean, right. How, how much entertainment is about, you know, cops and robbers and horrible things that happen in life and space inv- alien invaders. And I mean, it's like this long panoply of all these things going on that we don't like. We say, yeah, this is good stuff. I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so entertaining. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think we fall into like uh, the minutia of our, of our life, the automatic responses. But, but even with our language, we can go into a diff- different depth when we start looking at the words that we use. You know, something that I noticed thinking that I was super happy and positive. You know, I had mentioned I did this exercise of, of going through my day and the different steps of my day and how I feel. What I also started to recognize was the words that I use. So I said a lot, I don't have time for that. I don't have time. I don't have money. And, and I'm overwhelmed. These were words that would frequently come out of my mouth. And, and actually over the last year, I've gone into this deep dive of the definitions that I use, I don't know, you might have known this, Walt, but I don't think that this is common knowledge, that the definitions that we use in our daily life are not even legal definitions. You know, <laughs> like lawyers do not use Webster's Dictionary. They use Black's Law this and other legal definitions of things. You can even look up the definition of a person and, you, you know, it glumped in there as a corporate entity, you know? So we don't even know the definition of the words we, we are using until we look it up again. And you can use Webster's or you can use the dictionary online or, or whatever, but that, you know, you can look at those definitions, but I encourage people that are listening to this to look at your definitions. Because yeah. a lot of times when we look at our limiting beliefs or our fears, you know, this fear of having money and then becoming bad. Well, what is the definition of bad in our heart right now? What we have set is like awful person, like soul sucker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these, these things like you can figure out whatever the visual is that comes to your mind, but that's the definition that we've set. And that was a definition we set long ago, whether our parents told us or we just assumed it and like made that assumption. And then now it is true, but we hold ourselves to these definitions and we haven't gone back to even see what the actual definition is and whether it supports where we're going in our life. It's so for how much we are aware, we are so unaware. (laughs) It's true. It's absolutely true. We've actually touched on this a number of times during the show and one instance comes to mind because I've mentioned it a few times since then. Um, one of my longtime co-hosts, Cindy Chavez, who's currently on her second sabbatical. I really hope she comes back because I love her. Uh, and I think most of our listeners do too. But she and I were talking one time. Uh, we were doing all of the Neville Goddard books. We went through all the books one by one, page by wow. page, evaluating you know, what's this all about? What's he trying to say? What's all the metaphor and all that? It was, it was a really interesting exercise. And one of the things that came out of that conversation was we realized that he was using 
biblical words differently from the Bible and from mm. the way, from, well, not from, so much from the Bible, but from the way the Bible is taught in churches and so forth. And mm. one of the words that we hit upon was the word sin. And he, he doesn't use that word very much. He used it, I think, in one book once. It's, a, it's not like a big part of his lexicon. But the fact that he used it was interesting to us. Like, okay, you know, so what's he actually talking about here? And what we realized, fortunately, Cindy is something of a religious scholar, so she was able to fill in some blanks. What we, real, we realized is that the way that he was using the word sin was actually much more congruent with the way that um, the word was originally defined, where it originally mm. comes from. If it derives from a Latin word that basically means to miss the mark. Like you get a bow and arrow and you're aiming at a target and you don't hit the bullseye. That's a sin. That is a very different definition than what most people were thinking when you said the word. I right? myself included. Sin. Like yeah. Doing something really bad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not. It never was. It was mm. well, the church leaders and the pastors and the preachers who, who scared us into thinking that it was something else. But it never really was anything else except, hey, you just missed the mark. And what do you do when you miss the mark? Well, you aim higher. <laughs> I mean, you just, you correct your aim. That's all. And you fire the next arrow. You don't worry about it. You don't fret about it. You don't beat yourself up. Oh my God, I can't believe I sinned. You don't go asking for forgiveness. You don't go, you know, going into the confession, but oh my God, uh, breastly father, for I have sinned. No, you just change your direction that you're pointing the arrow. That's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like understanding the words that you're using from this capacity gives you a break. Yeah. Um, because you can really see, oh, I, I just missed the mark. The energetic signature behind or the frequency behind missing the mark versus what we thought was sinning before right? was something really, really bad. There's yeah. two very different energies completely. Now imagine applying that to your entire life of, you know, <laughs> looking at the definitions and seeing that it's not exactly what you thought and then applying something that actually makes more sense to you and is going in the right direction. Just using a different word even yeah. or understanding the meaning of said word raises your energy or your vibration, therefore gets you closer to what you want to attract. There's also another interesting piece to this. Here we have a word that originally meant one thing. Over time, it turned into something else. Mm -hmm. Well, that tells us something very important. I mean, in English, we already know this. There are multiple definitions for many words. Definitions that you put them together on the same page. You say, what are those doing on the same page? They don't even belong together. But mm -hmm. that's the nature of the English language. But it shows something really important. Definitions change. Mm -hmm. Well, that means a word means whatever we think it means. That's right. What, what are we going to decide? Even if the word is used popularly one way, we don't have to go with that. Mm -hmm. We can change the way we think about it. We can change exactly. the way we use it. Exactly. And and we should, because obviously these words that we're using are keeping us stuck in lower vibrations and yes. not getting to where we want. So we should challenge it. That's something that's a huge practice in my life and what I teach is challenging everything because it's all inherited. You know, we... Like you just said about language, it has evolved. So if we're not consciously choosing it, then we're in someone else's evolution or iteration of the world. We're not wow. even creating or co-creating our experience because we're just going along with what some guy said in 1800 <laughs> and what has evolved ever since. You know, this is how you take control of your life is really looking at these things and questioning them, challenging them and and deciding for yourself what's right for you. And I think that's something that I do with truth, truth or fiction, you know, because there's a lot of stuff out there. Conspiracy theories, you know, fake media, news. yeah, fake news, you know, all this stuff. And I think our society is struggling to uh, to understand what to believe and and mm -hmm. and you know, understand what is real. And when I went on this journey of, you know, channeling these abundance codes, there was no book saying, Jody, you're, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> this is good. Except for the channel that I had access to, like similar to David, right? Different channel, same principle. So I really had to, to redefine what is truth for me and find a new way to have like a BS meter. You know, before I was looking out to um, my friends, my family, other people to tell me what was right, what was wrong, what was true, what was false. And I really had to rein that in and come within myself. So anything that I'm struggling with, is it true or is it false? I bring within my heart. I bring the information into my heart. And does it feel true? That's the question I ask. And if it resonates within my body as truth, 
then I take it as truth until it doesn't because things change. And I think once you start to get in touch with that side of you, you become even more powerful or you feel more in control because now you're not looking at everyone else to decide you're choosing. I love that. And I especially love uh, the way you kind of turn true and false into feeling. I mean, I, I actually had to take the words out of my uh, vocabulary entirely for a while. What is true, what is false actually was throwing me off. So I literally turned it over to what feels good and what doesn't feel good, just so that I would get all that that old baggage out of the way. Now I can I can incorporate it and it's not a big deal, but there was a time when it was a really big deal, so I started doing that. But you talked about how you had actually gone in and and like did this deep deep dive and you started changing your, the way you thought about things, the way you, the way you use words, the kinds of words you use, and so forth. Give us an example of that. Like, what what were some of the things? Name one thing that you that you can think of that you you just changed the way you thought about it compared to the way the rest of the world thinks about it. Well, I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with, and I did too, is the word success. You know, success mm-hmm. has always held this monetary like status definition for me. Like, I could look up the definition of success, and I've done that. Um, but to me. Before this awakening, I, my, my definition was the amount of money you have means the amount of success um, that you're experiencing. But the thing is, I never quantified it. So something that I did in, in my own life is, okay, so if money is the quantification for success, is that the only thing? If you had a billion dollars, but you had no relationships and you, you know, you were a bum and everybody hated you, do you feel like you're successful? <laughs> you just, you know, if you took advantage of people, does that make you still successful? So I started to challenge those things. It's not just money. Money was a piece of that, but I even backed off of money being a part of my success equation for my own personal life because me having a beautiful, fulfilled life that's full of joy and full of bliss and full of excitement and all of these things that was more important to me than the dollar figure. And I, and I realized that it wasn't an absolute truth that money didn't equal, you know, joy and bliss and excitement and whatever. So it wasn't actually the money. It was the feelings that I wanted. So I could have a million dollars in the bank and not feel those. I'm not successful when I'm living, you know, my truth, my purpose and enjoying life. I think that's the reason why we're here is to have this joyful life. That is success to me. So that was one definition that I changed for myself. It freed me up to, to actually have a joyous life, regardless of, you know, my financial situation, regardless of, you know, because we put so much pressure when we're starting new businesses, especially I started my coaching company like four years ago. I've been a financial advisor and broker for almost 11 years now. So, you know, halfway through my one career where I'm successful, <laughs> um, <laughs> I decided I'm going to start another one. And, you know, it wasn't going as fast as I wanted, or I didn't have as many students as I wanted. And I was focusing on all these things that weren't, you know, weren't right or whatever. So I really needed to back off that timeline because the the coaching company, the stuff that I teach comes from my heart and it is a, a passion project. I feel called to teach this way, called to teach this information. And it doesn't matter if I make money or I don't make money or I have a million students or I have 10 students, I'm still called to teach it. So I, I want to focus on the emotion that I feel when I teach it, the the fulfillment that I get out of it. So I needed to change the definition or uh, if I just kept that definition, I would keep thinking I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. And then I would keep, you know, re- reciprocating that circle of, of failure when, when actually I've done a lot of things. I wrote a book, you know, I, I evergreened a program. I have, you know, about 60 students that have gone through it. All of that is really amazing. And when I changed my definition, I could celebrate all of that stuff. Whereas before I had a hard time doing that. Great point. In fact, you're reminding me of an experience that I had when I started implementing uh, my friend Dan McGena's book. Dan does Thursday show with me and Alex Standy. And he's also a multimillionaire. He lives on the coast of Mexico. He teaches people how to be millionaires and all this kind of stuff. He wrote a book called Money Game. And Money Game is basically a way of training your mind to believe you can attract money into your life. And, and you do it incrementally, small amounts up to larger amounts and so on and so forth. So he has you start with a very, very small amount. And you pick the amount. I picked 10 bucks as my first one. So putting out the intention that you're going to attract just blue money out of thin air, not working for it, not setting up a plan, just you know, tracking it out of thin air. And I said, okay, I'm going to attract $10 out of thin air. And within a very short time, I got a check in the mail for, I forget what it was, $14 or something like that. And I made the connection. I said, Oh, that was cool. 
I succeeded. Now, did that success feel the same way as what I was hoping for when I was trying to attract a million dollars? Well, maybe not, but it was success. And and what was interesting about it is that it was shocking success. Um, mm-hmm. There was there was like a big voice in the back of my head that said, well, that's just coincidence. And I had to kind of deal with yeah. that one. <laughs> I had to think about that one. And I was like, well, that's really what the damn Mangana approach is. Just keep experiencing them over and over again, and you'll stop thinking that it's just coincidence. You'll start believing in them, which mm-hmm. is true. That's what's happened. I've, I have now over, I've been doing the book now for two and a half years. I'm only 40% of the way through the program. I can't believe it. And I've already attracted money 17 times. But what's so interesting about it is about 15 of them, I would have discounted without reading the book and following the program. Wow. Because it would have been stuff that came in and I would have normally said, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I would throw in the bank account and not give it any more thought, not celebrate it, not treat it as a success, not treat it as blue money, just, oh, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. How often do we do that? I think with everything in life, there's so many things that we just bypass. We're just like, oh, no, that was random. Oh, no, that, you know, that was just coincidence. And, and I think you're right with this, this celebration piece because it, it does also something else. And this is what I teach my students as well. When you celebrate something, the more you are vibrant about it, like hands in the air, like, Woo! I'm not going to scream into the microphone, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like you have this big response. What happens inside of your brain is it wakes up and it goes, ooh, I'm supposed to pay attention. The the opposite also happens when you have something really tragic and you're having like a really down response. Your brain wakes up. I'm supposed to pay attention because this is how our brain is is programmed. So when you celebrate that, the brain goes, oh, I need to find more things like that. This is good. We want to find more. So then you end up finding more and more examples and things to celebrate. So when you relate that to money... When you find money on the ground and you celebrate it, then your brain goes looking for it. But we're consuming so much information in a day, so much information just just right now. You know, my heater was just on and, you know, there's probably things outside blowing around and and whatever. I have a light on. You know, we have different screens going on, a microphone. Your brain can't focus with devout attention on each one of those things. It has to compartmentalize and make things easy for you or you'll go crazy. True. So we end up missing a lot of our lives or, you know, chalking it up to, oh, that just happened, coincidence, um, <laughs> and not giving it any, you know, due um, because our brain is designed to make things easy for us. So I love that that you're saying that. And, you know, I have countless examples of of intentional stories. I really believe that what we know about the universe, how it operates our body, the world, everything is about this big. This is true. <laughs> and then there's yeah. like so much outside of that. So as I started to lean into energy, I started to to figure out, you know, I can feel other people's energy. You know, when I feel like they're going to try and take something from me, I feel mm-hmm. like I feel repelled from them. I want to get away from them. And then there's other people sure. where they're just so sweet and kind and magnetic and you just want to be around them for whatever mm-hmm. reason. That's yeah their energy. So our energy is, is impacting the things around us and everything is energy. So when you start testing this and start putting out thoughts, like you just said, I want to attract $10 that is impacting like a ripple, the rest of the energy within the world. So I did this last week to prove a point. Hmm. Okay. Another thing that I teach, that I teach my students, uh, I don't buy anything unless it's like, uh, F yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I want that. And, and I, I should say there's a caveat or an asterisk on this. Uh, you know, there's things that I need to buy, like, uh, grocery items or, or things like that. And I've learned to come to a neutral position with them. If it's not an, an F yes, <laughs> I love it. But when I do things for myself, when I buy clothes for myself, it's gotta be an overall like arching. Yes. I want that because yeah. money is just simply a representation of the exchange of energy. Right. So I go shopping and I haven't been shopping in a while and I buy these clothes and I only buy things that I'm like, F yes. <laughs> I want all of these things. So I'm standing there and I'm feeling really good about all the things she's ringing in. And I'm standing in front of like the pin pad where you pay and the number comes up and it was like $250. So I did a quick check within me. How do I feel about spending $250? You know, is there any fear there or anything? Because sometimes we have these automatic sure. um, responses, right? Yeah. So I'm human. 
And, you know, I'll follow. You are? Really? That's good to hear, actually. (laughs) Yes, I'm human. So I did a check. You know, everything looks good. Green light. I can go. And this is what I did. I I set the intention as I pulled my, you know, bank card out of my wallet. I set the intention as I spend this money, so does it come back to me tenfold. And then I paid. And while I did it, I sent out the vibration of gratitude and love and excitement and F yes back. And I imagined in that moment, coming back to me tenfold true story so this was last wednesday true story i leave the store i'm hungry so i either have two options i cannot eat and starve myself not an option really um (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna feed myself so i i was going over to a friend's house right after that and i said you know hey do you want me to bring you lunch so that was gonna cost me like 20 or 40 dollars somewhere in there like lunch for two i don't know depends on whether i went to mcdonald's or (laughs) somewhere else how much that is actually gonna cost but 20 plus dollars and my friend says oh i made you lunch perfect save me twenty dollars I'm on my way, right? I get to her house. We go to the same osteopath and she's like, there was this silent auction and our osteopath was giving away gift certificates, $100 gift certificates. And she's like, I got 14 of them for $50 or $60. She's like, I will sell you them. I'm like, woo. So that's like $40 off each session. And I go two or three times a month. (laughs) There's more money right there that came in. Awesome. Then I'm talking to my other friend and I'm telling her that my dog revenge pees when I leave. (laughs) She's just this tiny little five pound uh, Morky. And whenever I leave, she decides to revenge pee on things. And I Mm -hmm. really don't know what to do about it. She's like, oh, my friend got these diapers. You should get them. She sends me the link and she's in the States and I'm in Canada. And I'm like, Oh, link doesn't work. I can't get it. She's like, I will buy it for you. <laughs> That's so nice. Like, how much do I owe you? Nothing. Another $40. Right? <laughs> I, I, then I come home and um, in my brokerage business, I get paid twice twice a week. Okay. And because, you know, you could submit, you know, a life insurance policy or investments on this day and then they want you to get paid right away. So, it's very up and down. Like it's kind of all over the place drives my husband crazy. Cause on a, any given Wednesday or Friday, he's like, how much are you going to get paid? And I'm like, I, I don't know <laughs> money. There's going to be money that comes in. It always works out. Right. I love that. So I, was, I love that. I was expecting like, I, I don't know, 500 or a thousand dollars. It wasn't going to be uh, like a huge cycle or anything like that. I wasn't expecting a lot to pay out, but my assistant does all of that stuff for me. So I log in and it was $3,500. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. It's not over. So then my husband, I think I got a referral that day too, which is potentially like another thousand dollars in my pocket. And then, uh, my husband was talking to his friend from the UK and he had left a couple of years ago and he left this cube van and my husband really wanted the cube van. And just at the time he wasn't selling it and you know, whatever, all of the stuff, this cube van is worth probably 2,500 bucks, 2,600 bucks, somewhere in there. And he calls my husband up and he says, hey, you know, I'm selling some of the other stuff that I have at the the property where he's holding it right now. And he's like, I'll give you the cube van if you store my tools for me. So another (laughs) $2,500. So I think it ended up being like I I tallied everything up and it was uh, $5,000 or or it was more than $5,000. that. So so you got twice what you asked for. Yeah, exactly. Dang. It was just the intention that I set. So it's exciting when you can have experiences like that and celebrate it. It's not that this happened to me because I'm special. It happened to me because I'm intentional. And everybody has the ability to do that. It took me, what, three seconds to stand there, do a body check, make sure I'm okay with spending that amount of money, and then set the intention that as it goes out, so it will come back tenfold. It did take three seconds, but I also want to point out it also took a few years because you've done a year's worth of work on yourself to get yourself into a space where you can ask these questions and and decide to think about things differently. The work added up and it put you to a place where you could in three seconds attract that kind of a result. Someone who's in a you know really negative space and they, and they haven't done the work and they, and their their current experience is having no money and their experiences that they don't have a job and they're not going to get anywhere, they're not going to turn around on a dime like that. They, they have to do the work. You have to, you have to change your mindset. You can't just yeah. say, well, okay, I, I just said the magic words. Where's my money? Yeah. You don't believe it will actually come. So it won't. Right. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. You got to yes. put the time in. 
Mm-hmm. Some, something else that I also realized with the story about um, the money that I have manifested over the last couple of years is the only reason I knew how many times I had done it. You see, I actually didn't know because who keeps track of those things, right? You don't think, well, yeah, you celebrate them. Great. Yep. But can you remember how many times you celebrated last year? How many times did you celebrate last year? You, I you don't can't know. tell me. You know, no, no I can't tell you. No. But, you, but Daniel told me to do something in the book that I, I'm glad that I did. He told me to keep a journal of all the things you asked for and what shows up. That's how I knew. I, I just went back and went through the journal. I was like, oh, there's 17 of them. Damn, that's good. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. That's, that's so true. We don't, we don't keep a journal of these things. So that's great. That's great advice. I'm going to start a journal too. All the I, I'm not I a journaler. I was, I have, I've told about people on the show for years. I don't really like journaling, but after that, I have to say, okay. Yeah, I can see journaling because you're channeling. I can see the automatic. I, I get all that, but this one gets my attention. Yeah. Because I did it myself as part yeah. of what Daniel told me to do, and I saw a result, and it was a significant result. Yeah, and it almost becomes the evidence that you need to change your mind on it, you know, yes. that, that to keep believing that it's happening. I, I talk about evidence lists a lot. Look back in your life and prove yourself right. Like whatever it is that you're trying to prove is true. Your, your brain is already proving it to you. So if you want something else to be true, you got to go look for the evidence of it, you know, see a different perspective of what happened in those moments and build up the evidence that, you know, let's say, for example, that everything is working out. I literally did that exercise, looked back on my life and mm-hmm. all the crazy things that have happened and been like, oh, look how that works out. Hmm. As if by chance, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And which is a great exercise to do for a number of different reasons. And, and yet I also think to myself, if I hadn't written those down, I wouldn't realize that I had already attracted them. Now I'm like you, I'm like most people. I want the evidence. I want to see the evidence. The fact mm-hmm. that I feel like I haven't been seeing the evidence is why I keep putting up resistance. But after this, I have to ask myself, well, not only did I miss that, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a couple of those things that I manifested. I actually told this on the podcast. This happened, this happened during a podcast episode. I think it was September of 2019. I had just started doing Dan's book. I had gotten through, I think, just the first step or maybe the first two steps. And I was on my third step. I think at that point I was trying to attract 50 bucks or something. I can't remember exactly where it was. And I got two checks in the mail, but I didn't connect them to what I was doing. Mm. And up until the point I had done the show, I still hadn't connected them. And so I start doing the show and I talk to, I'm talking to Dan about how stuff hasn't shown up. And then in mid-sentence, I stop and my mouth is hanging open. And he says to me, what is it? <laughs> and I said, I just realized I actually did and I didn't notice it. But Jody, that wasn't the best part. The best part was later on in the same episode, I realized I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Two times. <laughs> Two times, same episode. So here's my point. If I, under these very weird circumstances, am finally able to notice what did show up that I had not noticed How many other times in my life have I failed to notice what happened and to this day still don't recognize that Mm -hmm. they happened? Mm -hmm. We get into this like frame of mind of it has to look like this. Mm. You know, I talk about it in like linear thinking, like a cow path. If you've ever seen cows in a giant open field, there's always like a thousand acres to one side, a thousand acres to the other. And a million cows or a hundred cows going tail, like tip to tail in a line. Even though they have all this space, they're all walking in this, this same path. But we do that in our brain. I want to attract money into our lives. And then, and then we discredit anything that is outside of the way that we saw it coming in. You know, oh, you know, I get a new client if that's, that's what they're looking at. I get a new client that pays in full or something like that. Everything else is discredited. You know, the referral that came from blah, 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 or the money that, you know, dropped out of the sky. You found a hundred dollars in your pocket, <laughs> whatever it was, all of that gets discounted. And I think it's so interesting because it really le- leans to what you're saying is how much other stuff are we missing in our lives because we're not paying attention to it. Especially the small ones. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the comments I made in that particular podcast episode was I needed to set my level higher because I was so completely discounting the small ones. I wasn't noticing them when they were showing up. Yeah. I, I just, they, they just didn't count. Yeah. 
And they do count. They count just as much. The dollar amount may not be the same, but the manifestation counts just as much. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And there, there are people, there are people right now listening to this program who have perhaps horrible economic circumstances. Maybe they live in a third world country. Maybe their economies are falling apart. You know, they're experiencing inflation far beyond what we're experiencing here in the United States. Maybe they don't even have a job. Maybe it's somebody who's deep in debt. They just, they were in school. They got these big school loans. I mean, there's all kinds of people who have these kinds of problems. And, And the thing I would challenge every one of them to ask is, have you ever had money show up in your life unexpectedly? And I'll bet you to a person, 100% of them will say, no, I have not. And I'll bet you every one of them is lying without realizing it. Absolutely. Yeah. They found the dollar in their, like, you know, couch cushion yeah. <laughs> or whatever it was. You know, it's shown up because yeah. it's just an energy. It's, what we're trying to do is train ourselves to see it, to notice mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. always happening. And it doesn't even have to be dollars. It can be anything. Yeah. You know, all, it's anything that helps you to believe that you can get what you want. And the way to do it is to recognize that there have been times in your life when things showed up that you wanted and mm-hmm. recognizing that they showed up. Mm-hmm. It could be the smallest things in the world. It could be finding a, to use the Abraham Hicks phrase, it could be finding a thimble. It could be that small. Yeah. But a thimble is just as easy to to manifest as a castle. There's no difference energetically. No. Nope. Which means both need you. to be celebrated. Yes. Absolutely. I always, um, I have always thought about this celebration piece in terms of children. You know, have you ever given a kid uh, a present before and they're like, meh, they don't care. Yeah. Me as an auntie, I don't have any kids yet. Um, but me as an auntie, I'm like, I don't ever want to buy you a present again because you didn't even care. There was no like, yay, even a fake yay. You could care less. Mm -hmm. So why would I spend my hard earned money on buying crap for you that you don't want? Right. And I relate that to the universe. When you come across something, whether it's a discount, an opportunity, you know, a check comes in the mail, you know, you get paid more than you think when you're not celebrating those things, it's kind of like the scenario with the kid. You're the kid and you're like, meh, so what's the universe thinking? I guess she doesn't want that. I'm not going to give that to her again. <laughs> well, that's almost exactly what the universe, I mean, the universe doesn't really think like a mind, but that's, that's no. the way the universe responds. Yeah. That's precisely exactly. how the universe responds. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's one of the most challenging, most difficult things. Cause I've been there. I know what it's like to have no money. I think mm-hmm. I told you the story. I know what it's like to be so deeply in debt and broke and not knowing how you're going to pay the next rent and, and wondering, you know, are you going to survive another year? And things like that. I know what that feels like. I've been through it. And when you're in that mind space, it's hard to notice anything. Mm-hmm. It's hard to notice anything at all. Mm-hmm. It's hard to notice, to find a, a silver lining anywhere. Everything seems to be dark. Everything seems to be black. Everything seems to be hopeless. Everything seems to be defeating you. Everything seems to be against you. I actually thought there was a conspiracy against me. I really did well, at one point. I really believed that. I mean, I didn't believe it for a real long period of time because my rational mind took over and said, yeah, you're full of it. But nevertheless, there was a piece of me that believed it because I just kept getting all this evidence, all these failures, everything that was failing, all the business, you know, all the the clients that kept going away. I'd lost my entire business from the 2008 financial crisis. The whole thing just blew up in smoke in in one fell swoop. I had, you know, time after time, I tried to bring in new clients and the clients wouldn't sign on. It was like one thing after another. I had so much evidence reinforcing my belief that I couldn't make it, that I was going to fail, that I was going to continue to fail. And of course I did. Mm -hmm. Because your brain was focused on how you're failing and then it only sees how you're failing, which brings forward more of how you can fail. (laughs) And it's this vicious cycle. We got to get out of the cycle. For me, in my um, hardest times, I always, I always remember that it's for a reason. And that Mm. gave me solace. You know, it's for a reason and it always works out for the better is the tail end of that statement. So if I was, when I have been in that situation where I don't understand, um, I would say that to myself. I know that historically, every crappy thing I've ever been through, it always happened for a reason. 
and it always worked out better than I could imagine. And that started to lift my energy and lift my spirit so that I could start seeing silver linings out of the situation that I was in. Well, you apparently knew to even look for silver linings, which is big, right? But right there by itself. A lot of people don't even know to do, to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, grew, I grew up with great parents. <laughs> yeah. That taught me that. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful thing. That's a very wonderful thing. It how, is. How, how do you, when, when, when you've had your lowest times, how do you remember the silver lining? How do you remember the value of the silver lining? Hmm the value of the silver lining just just with that statement is is like i pick apart looking back at everything i've been through that was difficult in my life and seeing that once i was through it i could see i could add the clarity of the situation of why it happened and and all the beautiful things that brought it brought to my life like on on our last episode i was telling the audience about how i you know my house was worth half of you know, what we owed on it. And I had to go through consumer proposal and, you know, foreclose on that home and all of that stuff. During that time, um, you know, I kept focusing on this was my choice. This was my choice. And I'm going to choose to be happy. Like my dad said, you know, you're going to choose to leave. You're going to choose to be happy because it's your choice. So I kept choosing to be happy and seeing um, that, that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the dark period, you know, at the end of the darkness, there's always dawn or whatever that that saying is that there had to be a breaking point when I would see the good of the situation. And now looking back, that was, you know, over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And I look back at it and I find even more evidence, like, you know, a couple of weeks after I'm starting to see the light, you know, the silver lining, you know, I don't have to deal with this person you know, that I didn't want to be in a relationship with and he did not take it well. So, you know, I could see silver lining right there that, oh, great. I'm not, I'm not married. That's a silver lining. (laughs) I, you know, know, I'm just common law. This is easier to deal with. Um, you know, I got the right, the right people just came to me. I researched for days of how, how the bank was going to come after me when I stopped paying, you know, I had, I had a strategy. I had a plan for those moments of darkness of like, where do I move? What do I do? And I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I don't even know if I said this uh, on our last episode, but the bank wouldn't tell me what was going to happen. Yeah, you said and, that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So th- they're not telling me what's going to happen. And and my ex um, was, it was on the fence, like teetering, whether we were going, he was going to pay half the mortgage so that we had another month to figure it out. And this is at Christmas. So oh, we had geez. like, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of like, course. No, right. Yeah. More law of attraction, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's right at Christmas. It's, it's right after Christmas. Like it's going through that, that two week period. Right. Ugh. So we're getting closer to the first and it's like coming upon us and I can't get an answer from him of whether he will actually pay half or not. I made, I made the recommendation like, Let's both pitch in half and then give ourselves the month to figure all of this stuff out because I couldn't get any answers. And so I didn't know what he was going to do. So I had a plan for that. Um, you know, what I was going to do if he didn't pay and I was going to find out the information, but the bank wouldn't give me any. So I literally, I, my dad and I banked at the same place. So I literally asked my dad to book the appointment and I went in with him. And as soon as she closed the door and sat down, he said, here's Jody. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, hi, what happens if I don't pay my mortgage? (laughs) Sounds like the dumbest question ever, but I didn't know, I didn't know the answer to that. And, and I think we often avoid the things that are scary. That was scary. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, are they going to put me in jail? I I don't know. I didn't know. I was 25 years old. I had no idea what was going to happen. And a lot of people will avoid that, that scary situation or seeing anything, asking any questions. They just want to bury their head in the sand, hoping it'll go away. But I have always been someone who just goes at it head on. Like, okay, what is going to happen? Because if you know the worst thing that is going to happen, then you can kind of calm your own fears. Well, that's not that bad. You know, the banker told me, well, any money you have here, we're going to freeze. Okay, check. Move all of my money. <laughs> Got it. You know, and that that's easy. I can open a new bank account. I had a strategy on how I'd pull the money out if my ex wasn't going to pay the other half. And, you know, I had all of these plans. Like my dad would say, you know, one that will work or should work and one that will work. Yeah, I, right, all, right. I had all of these these plans. 
And it doesn't mean that it went off exactly the way that I thought it would. I mean, for six months after that with my new bank, I only kept enough in there to pay my bills. And the rest I pulled out and put in cash in my sock drawer because I was literally afraid that somebody could take it from my new bank. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later that I actually learned more about the banking rules. And that's when I started in the financial industry. But Mm -hmm. I just kept asking questions and facing it head on and looking for the positives in that situation. You know, I wasn't married, so this was going to be a little bit easier. You know, I found the right people to help me. I had a good support system. I wasn't living on the street. I was living in my brother's, you know, uh, spare room. There was all of these great things that if I tried, I could see in that moment. And now looking back, there's even more that I can see. There's something else that just popped up in my mind too as you were telling that story because that's a great story. By the way, I have to give you credit. I don't, I don't know if you even knew this, but we love stories. We, we especially love manifestation stories. Our, our listeners, our listeners write in about that. So here you are coming on the show as co-host for the first time and you're telling manifestation stories. Well done, Jody. I love it. Thank you. That's well my done. favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for good reason. I can see why, but there's, there's also something that kind of popped up in my mind while you were telling that story because it's a great story. You talked about how you took some you, you took some steps because you were afraid there, that uh, there wasn't going to be enough money to get through. So you put the money aside, you hid it away, and that certainly makes sense. But we also know energetically that is a lack mentality. And I mention that because you you navigated your way through even with a, a lack mentality, and, and so probably I'm going to kind of conjecture here. Probably what that meant is you made some progress, but not as much as you would have liked. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens. We, we, we almost never have pure mentalities. That's kind of what I was driving at earlier when I said that we, we have really short attention spans. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just focusing on something for 10 minutes is like superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is. It really yeah. is, you know? So, you know, focusing on something for a couple hours at a time without distraction, without, you know, moving your attention away for even a split second. Oh my God. That would probably put most people into a coma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's normal for us as human beings, given the development of the human species here on earth right now, it's normal for us to get distracted, to have split focus and so forth. And that, that's just part of the journey as part of what we go through. And it's okay. I, I think that's where I'm trying to go with it. Yeah. Okay. So you had a lack mentality. Big deal. Yeah. You also had a growth mentality. You were doing both at the same time mm-hmm. and you were giving yeah. more attention than you had been to the growth mentality and less attention to the lack mentality. It didn't mean the lack mentality was gone. Yeah. It just meant you'd kind of shifted the balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. It's not yeah. th- that used to, sh- to drive me crazy because most people don't really realize when, when they're first dealing with these concepts of all the different ways that they go negative. For me, it was exactly the opposite. I was horribly aware of all the ways that I went negative, and I was terrified I wouldn't be able to break the pattern because it happened so many times throughout the day. I mean, I, I actually almost put myself into a state about that. For years, I early podcast, you go back and listen to the early podcast episodes, particularly the ones that I did with my friend Joel Elston. It was always about how do you deal with these lack issues because I was feeling lack issues all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just part of the journey that I was going through. But what yeah. I did learn is that I'm making little improvements, little yeah. shifts, little changes. And each of those little changes, I may not be able to see it right now, but each of those little shifts is making things a little better and a little mm-hmm. better and a little better. And I don't have to be perfect. I 100% agree. We're so enthralled with this concept of getting it right I think it comes from like a feeling of running out of time because that is a very human thing that we will eventually die. That's it's a guarantee. Right. Um, but what I remind myself when I'm stuck in that, that perfection loop of like, I, I recognize that it has something to do with time. Like I, I need a better life sooner or like, it's going to take me forever to get there or whatever. And I challenge those things too, because Things can happen very, very quickly. In an Mm. instant, things can change. So why not for the positive? You know, we can see that on the negative side of things where something changes instantly. But why not on the positive side? Why not start thinking about that side of things? Like time, time is just a construct. You know, when you're, you know, with your sweetheart, um, you know, on your first date, that whole night, 
the 12 hours you spend together or whatever talking all night long. Um, that feels like 10 minutes. in in like situations where you've been taking like an exam or something and you're like, Oh my God, or you're in a class that's really boring. And it feels like it's hours. Mm. This is us distorting time. So if you can do that with like, you can speed up time when you're happy and you can slow down time in these other areas. Why can't you do that on a, a bigger scale level, why does it have to take you a decade to build a business that, you know, makes a lot of money? There's a lot of examples of people who did things very quickly. And I'm not saying overnight success. It took them, you know, a few years, but does it have to? Is that an absolute that it's going to take you until you're 70 years old? Look at Colonel Sanders. He yeah. started when he was 70. And just like that, he sold his recipe. I mean, he, he did go through like person after person after person. It wasn't as easy as I'm making it sound. There he also had he about 20 years of, of restaurant failures before then, too. I mean, he had this long, right. long history of just all these things. Some went right, others went wrong, and uh, right, exactly. the roller coaster. And then he did that. Yeah. Exactly. But we don't remember all of those other things. We just remember, whoa, he became, you know, KFC dude. <laughs> That's right. Right? Like the chicken. We just remember the chicken. Um, <laughs> but we need to remember that within our own lives, that things can change very quickly and that you have enough time to make those changes, those small adjustments. And exactly what you said, Walt, is they start to add up. All of these things are culminating and you know, snowballing and, and it becomes this, this beautiful thing that you get to experience. That's why you're here is to experience. And we live in a, a plane of duality. There is negative and there is positive. There's light and there is dark. And that's why you experience both is because you decided, I think anyway, that there's like, I, I zhuzh it up a little bit. There's a green room that you go into as a soul before you, you know, pick the body and choose the <laughs> life and you press play and you watch the highlight reel and you say yes. So that for me has also given me solace of I chose this. I chose to come into this life full well, knowing that, you know, I would foreclose on a home. That was probably a thing that was in my highlight reel. For sure, you know, and all the other beautiful things as well. So I truly believe that, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. And when I chose this life, I knew what was coming. So I knew that I would get to the other side and it would be beautiful because I wouldn't have chose badly. I'm smart. (laughs) My soul's old. I wouldn't have chose badly. So I think about that a lot too. I I love that last bit too, because I'll be honest, for years, even doing this podcast, I would get frustrated with the idea that I had created this life and my life isn't bad compared to many people. I've been, there are yeah. people that have far worse life than I do, but yeah. even so the idea that I had chosen to live in, in this way, to have all these experiences that I didn't like, that, that just rubbed me the wrong way. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't accept that. Like, no, that doesn't feel right to me. Uh, now over time, I've actually come to accept and appreciate it and understand it. But for the longest time, it drove me crazy. And I think I have an understanding why. Because I also had an issue with, they, they talked about believe and trust and so forth. And those always had like certain religious overtones for me that always drove me away. Trust means something different to me now than it used to mean. It, it, talk about the way the words can change their meaning. That's one mm-hmm. that really has changed in a big way for me. To me now, it's not trusting that the universe will deliver. It's not trusting that I can be better off. It's trusting that I can notice the improvements. Mm-hmm. And that was always the real challenge. I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't recognize early on, oh, I don't trust the individual improvements. But if I had somebody who had pointed out to me that possibility and asked me to look inside, I think I would have had to answer, honestly, yeah, you're right. I don't trust those improvements are going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't really trust that. But now that I understand the value of the incremental approach, it's still tough at times to, to trust because... When you're in that trusting place, the place where you're supposed to do the trusting, you're not getting the results yet. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trusting. You're trusting that the results are going to come from all these little incremental changes that you know are happening right now. Yeah. And that is a challenge still. I can't honestly say that it's not a challenge, but it's a lot easier than the old form of trust I was trying to do. The old form I was trying to do was trust that God was going to deliver something to me. Well, I didn't even believe in God in the first place. I believe in spirit, but I didn't believe in God. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, boy, am I in trouble. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's kind of like the old joke about, you know, the people who aren't Christians, they're going to hell. Well, that's not terribly fair. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think for me on the trust piece, it's, um, I, I struggled with the, the same thing, um, of like, I am creating this reality. But I struggled from a place of when I would see things weren't going the right way, it was from a beating perspective. Like I'd give myself a good lashing, wow. you know, you're yeah, stupid. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, we're, I was like, oh, why would you create that again? And why would you do that again? And you're just, mm. I would beat myself up yeah. so badly that it hurt to take responsibility for things. And when I started to step away from that and release the words good and bad, really look at those definitions, um, you know, does this make me bad? I use the, the best friend concept because I remember when I was going through that whole, I'll be very transparent about everything that happens in my life. I am very transparent. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Um, you you ask me any question, I'll tell you the truth. Well, it's so, also a good thing in a, co- a co-host, by the way, because that makes much more good story. So that's well, also thank you. great. <laughs> <laughs> As I was going through through that house stuff, it was really interesting because I was very, you know, a, a year before that, two years before that, three years before that, I was very blinded by love my situation. I don't know. Um, and I fell into, and it feels silly saying it, but I know that there's people who feel this way, um, even to this day, but, um, where I fell into this trap of thinking when we get married, things will change, right? You know, the, yeah. the relationship mm-hmm. will change. And it was very, it, it was verbally abusive and it was toxic. Mm. And, and, and I didn't see any of that any of that. He was very manipulative, but I didn't see any of it. Like it was totally blind. Um, and then I, I got an opportunity to, to leave the country and, uh, go consult internationally. I was actually a safety person back then. And, um, the company that I worked for, they needed auditors to go down and actually, uh, audit the company who was building the levee wall in New Orleans. And I had never traveled anywhere. Like I had never been, I think I'd been out of the country once, but like traveling was scary to me. Like I'd never driving in the city of Edmonton, which is like a million people was, (laughs) was like, that was a major adventure. Yeah. yeah, It was a major event in my life. So, so doing this was really big. And, you know, I felt really honored that I was, you know, 25 years old and I was asked to go and do this and, and, uh, that, you know, they picked me and I'm consulting internationally. quite a young age. I was That's very big. proud of myself. Yeah. I thought so. Um, my, my boyfriend at the time, uh, decided that, no, it wasn't because I was special. It was only because, you know, I was the only one that was willing to go that close oh, to dear. Christmas, <laughs> but I believed him oh. that that's the thing. Like I believed all of these things. And then I went to New Orleans and, you know, my boss missed his flight and I had to drive all by myself. And then we had like this tour booked and, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had to go by myself because he wouldn't let me skip it. I didn't even go for dinner that night anywhere. I ordered dinner in and it cost me like $30 to order it in (laughs) because I was so terrified to be in a place that I didn't know. And I beat by myself. Are you kidding? So this was like a huge growing experience for Jody Lynn. Like there was like leaps and bounds every single day. And, and as we were going, we were going through this, there was these guys that we were working with and they were so nice, like Southern gentlemen. And I didn't, I didn't realize that men were like that. And I feel silly saying that, but I just, from the relationships that I had in the past and the one that I was currently in, men didn't operate that way. Um, you know, pull out your chair for you and, you know, really cherish you and, and, and all of these things. So I was seeing this other side of how I could be treated as a woman and I was floored, Mm. completely floored. So, so anyway, I spent uh, a week or two weeks there within this project and, and uh, I came home and that's when I knew that I was going to break up with my boyfriend. Well, I can understand why. Yeah. I I knew it was over. Yeah. I knew it was over and uh, I, I'm just going to say it rip off the bandaid. I ended up kissing a boy. (laughs) And I ended up kissing a boy that was not my boyfriend. So, and I was very like distraught about it because, 
um, I felt like I did something terrible and yeah. like awful. I cheated yeah. and kissing is still cheating. And, and I mean, there was an emotional connection that was happening that was also cheating before that ever happened before, you know, everybody went out and partied and, and, and we had this kiss and, um, I'm not good at lying whatsoever. So I, I came home and, uh, my, my boyfriend came to pick me up and, um, he picked me up at the airport and he was already upset. He was mad because he thought I lied and, and that my plane was delayed an hour. We were in the air, I, but he thought I was hiding in the airport for some reason. Oh so boy. Got wow. Very explosive to the point where he like punched a hole in his windshield. Oh and my God. I'm, it was very bad. Oof. And I'm thinking like it's midnight and I live about two and a half hours away or the airport was about two and a half hours away from, or two hours, I guess, from my parents' house. And I, and we're on like back country roads and I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this situation, but if I mm. do and he leaves me here, cause he punched a hole in the windshield and then he got out. And I'm thinking in my head, like now what do I do? Like if he mm. leaves me here, it's minus 40 degrees oh, Celsius. It's the middle of winter. Oh, and God. I don't know anyone that lives that close. Like I'm going to die here. He jumped back into the truck and we, we fought the, the rest of the way because I told him the truth on what what had happened and um so snowball keep going forward all of these things happen he doesn't he doesn't want me to call any of my friends to talk to them he doesn't want me to talk to my best wow. friend anita well he all was a of piece of things, work Oof. yeah yeah all of these things are happening and, and he actually says to me um you know everyone's gonna hate you because you cheated and, uh, no, like you don't have a relationship with your family because I've segregated you from them. You don't have a relationship with any friends outside of my friends and all of them are going to hate you. Who are you going to have, um, after this? And I've, I've never actually told this story like publicly. Wow. Um, and, but I believed him. I yeah. believed him. So that was a Friday night when I got home. So I spent the entire weekend being berated in the, this manner and told that I'm an awful person have done something wrong and everything like that. And, and so I, he decides that he's going to drive me to work and pick me up now to make sure that I don't talk to anybody else, I guess. Um, so now wow. I had no time alone. Like I was either at work or I was in his vehicle and, and all of these things were happening. So he drops me off on Monday morning and I can't handle it. And I was a smoker back then. So I go outside and I'm like, I got to talk to my best friend, Anita, and she's going to hate me. She's going to, she's oh. going to hate me. That's what I thought in my heart of hearts is like, oh. she's going to think I'm an awful person. So I go outside to have a cigarette and I call her and she picks up and she's like, hello, you're back. Amazing. Cause she hasn't heard from me at mm. all. And I just start bawling like, mm. <gasps> and I can't breathe. And she's mm. like, honey, are you okay? And she's been my friend for, you know, now it's been over a decade, but at that point it was like five years or something. Mm -hmm. and I, she calms me down. And all that I can say is you're going to hate me. Oh. You're going to hate me. And I'm just bawling. And she's like, honey, no, no. Like, tell me what happened. Like, I'm sure she thought I killed somebody <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. And, and I tell her I cheated. I, I cheated on, on Cody. And that, that was my boyfriend's name. And she's like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean that's it? You don't think I'm this awful person? Like, I'm a horrible person and that I should be, you know, like, I don't know, disparaged or like, I should be thrown out with the wolves. And she's like, Jody, you made a mistake. And I still love you regardless. What a great friend. Me. Yes. What a great so this friend. This brings me to how I handle myself is when I'm in those moments of darkness and I'm really hard on myself in that way, I remember that kindness and that love that she gave to me. And I give it back to myself. I think, what would my best friend think of me? My best friend would tell me all the reasons why it was a mistake and how that doesn't define my soul or my heart. It was just simply a mistake, one that I can choose to not make in the future, and I can choose a different reality walking out of this mistake. So it forever changed my life, that perspective. What a great story. And, and, and it's, you. it's really, I think probably the most stunning part is the nature of the mistake. It was hardly even a mistake. Yeah. I mean, it's not like yeah. you slept with a guy. It's not like you have conducted no, a chair for five months. I it was a yeah. kiss. It was a kiss for God's sake. It was a kiss. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a kiss. Um, but it's still, 
I, it was interesting how we go, th- we yes. go through those things and, and how yes. I believed him and how I just kept going with the manipulation. I remember telling my dad as well, um, that, you know, I was in this situation and that's when he had said, you know, you choose to stay and you choose to be happy or you choose to leave. But before he said that, he said, Jody, I thought you knew. He thought I was completely aware of the manipulation and, you know, like the gaslighting and, you know, the, uh, the toxic nature of the relationship I was in. And I was completely blind until I left the situation completely, like what, until I went to New Orleans physically, physically to have a different it, yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. I was completely blind. I had no idea I was in it. And I was shocked when my dad said that to me. No, I didn't know. I had no idea. Like I felt like the dumbest person in the world that I had no idea. Aww. Everybody else watching truly saw what was happening, but I didn't know. And it, wow. it, yeah, so we get ourselves in those situations, but we really need to have compassion for ourselves because they are mistakes. The things that we do, you know, the things that we don't really like, it's, it's something that happened and you can choose to look at it differently and not let it be that, you know, that red A, <laughs> the scarlet letter that you carry around with you. That's a choice that we have next is whether we let like we have that compassion for ourselves or not. If we treat ourselves like our own best friend. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for telling that story. That's a wonderful story. I I can just see the emails coming in already. I mean, seriously, (laughs) that's just really, really poignant, really amazing. I I could see us turning this into a conversation for the next episode too, although we'll have a guest for that one. So we'll have to kind of tie it in, but yeah, yeah, that was really something. Mm, Thank thank you so much for doing that. What a great entree. Your first day as a co-host and you just (laughs) floored us. Absolutely. It's so much fun. It is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're, we're rehashing something that was definitely not a funny experience at the time. Yeah. And it's been like a, at the end of the culmination, really, of a long story that, that we were telling, basically. We we're telling this, this story about how we deal with our lives and what we can be doing differently and so forth. I, I just want to kind of finish it on one note because you kept referring it very reasonably. You kept referring to it as a mistake. And that's true. I think it's also important to remember what a mistake is. A take is a, a mistake is a mistake. You just didn't take it right. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you took what you didn't really want to take. That's all it was. It's oh, not, beautiful. it's not a sin. It's not that there's something wrong. It's just a mistake. You're like, well, okay. I missed the mark. I'm going to re-aim the arrow. The mark. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, my, my best friend, Anita, just to add to that, she said, what if it wasn't a mistake? What if it well, was that, too. that led you to, the next, like, what if it was, you know, I think in a, in a way for me, it was the way that I could get out of that relationship. Um, well, I think it's also how you were able to actually come to grips with how toxic the relationship was. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that, that's when it was starting to become real for you. Like, okay, this is what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very it big. always works out. It does. Always. And better. Well, thank you so much for becoming a part of the team. Welcome to the team. This is thank a you. great introduction and we love you so much. So yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to doing more and more shows with you. And, uh, thank, thank you, you also to our podcast listeners everywhere because, well, first of all, we love you. And second of all, without you, we wouldn't have a podcast and we'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, yeah. everybody.